welcome back to the Nomadic Gregor's podcast. I'm Anna. I'm Cam. And in this exploration of the world of international education and how to jump right in, we are going to be talking about moving prep today. How to get everything ready, what to think about when getting things ready, what goes with you, how does it go, what stays behind, all of the things. Yeah, so this will be our second to last episode for this season. Um, but we'll just be looking at, again, we're, we're looking, and this is targeting people who are generally leaving the U.S., um, where you may have acquired more things, but that's not always true. Uh, you may live in a country for a number of years and acquire far more than you ever thought you would. You know, for us in China, with the fake market and everything, it was really easy just to acquire stuff. Yeah, by the, by the end of, of your time somewhere, when you're going somewhere else and you may have limited space or might be just paying for excess luggage because it's easier, you may have to make some decisions about what stays behind and what comes with you. So it kind of feels like you're in extended spring cleaning where you are kind of constantly decluttering things out of your house or selling stuff or packing things. And that's a whole process into itself. Yeah. So let's start with, you know, when it's time to move, take inventory of what's really important to you. Um, if again, if you've been in the U.S., you're likely to have more, a greater number of sentimental items that you don't want to get rid of. But take inventory of things that you want to keep, things you may want to bring with you, or things you don't mind selling. You know, again, we're human and we tend to acquire stuff that we don't need. I look around my home here and while I like all my cool stuff, if some of it got lost or broken, it's not irreplaceable. Uh, very few things in our house here have strong sentimental value. Yeah, um, but if you do have some of those things, and I'll give an example in a minute, do make space for those and how you want to take them with you to make sure that they're not, not lost. So the example is, I'm actually looking at it because it's right by um, one of our chairs, is a blanket that I got from my mother while I was in graduate school. And it's not a fancy blanket at all, but it was a Christmas present and now that she's no longer with us, the blanket is extra special. But it's come to every country that we've moved to and I just make space for it in usually my carry-on or on the luggage that I check wherever we're going. Other things that are also of sentimental value that I'm a little bit more concerned because they're harder to replace, I usually keep in a storage box in our headquarters in the US. Yeah, um, so let's start with, so once you've decided what you wanna sell, what you wanna keep, at home, what you want to take with you, if you want to sell anything, if you want to keep anything. Um, you know, what are your next steps? So, depending on the school, most schools, not most, but many schools, I won't say all schools, I don't really know, um, do offer usually a shipping allowance to your new country. Now, that may not be worth it if you're not shipping a bunch of stuff. We have never actually shipped a container. No, well, we never shipped, yeah, anything worthy of full-on shipment. We, yeah. we shipped a few things to Korea from China, which ended up being fairly disastrous as they all broke along the way. You mean from China to Korea? China to Korea, sorry. Okay. Um, but, you know, speak with your HR rep 
that you're working with or whoever handles that at your school and say, all right, what are my dates? What are my allowances? Who's my contact person? Sometimes they also might want you to fill a certain amount. Yeah, so some schools provide shipping allowances that are based on square footage within a container, a shipping container like the ones that they put in boats. So it could be half a container, it could be a full container, or it could just be a number of square feet, square meters that you're allowed to fill with your personal items, your home items. We have um, worked with people who've had shipping allowances in all of that extent, some of which were able to ship their entire homes to their new countries because they had the space. Um, in other cases, the um, school will give you a shipping allowance based on weight and will give you a limit in kilograms that you're allowed to ship and then it's on you to ship it either by boat or by air, um, which depends on the shipping that you decide to use. And then yet other schools give you a shipping allowance based on money, which is most of the time for you to just pay for excess luggage. Well, I mean, not necessarily. It's really up to you. Usually it might be maybe $1,200 a person, maybe $2,000 a person. Um, it depends. Um, but again, they'll still. You, most schools will still have a point person or a company they've shipped through before. Yes. yes. So talk to them rather than you don't want to have to go find your own. Yes. The other thing that is important to know about shipping is that schools will usually advise you to bring the essentials that you will need to get going for the first couple of weeks with you on excess luggage and then wait for the rest on your shipment. That also has to do because in many countries you are not allowed to retrieve your shipment until your work visa has been fully processed or you have resident status. So it might be a couple of weeks after you arrive that you'll be able to actually claim your shipment. Yeah, we have friends who shipped to Korea whose shipment actually got held up for four or five months for some political reason. Um, and it took them a long time. Yeah, um, we've had colleagues too that shipped their classroom supplies um, on their shipment and while they waited for them, their classrooms looked maybe a little more bare than what they were used to. So if there's something that you need right away, plan to bring it with you in the thing that you can retrieve the easiest, not on your shipping container or your shipping um, parcel, boxes, whatever it's called, because that might take a little, while, a little bit longer. So some things to keep in mind too is, and we are not, we are guilty of not doing this, is that you can buy pretty much everything you have at home abroad. From in clothes, most places, Cooking yeah. utensils. I mean, most major cities have Ikea, which is maybe not the world's greatest furniture, but it's still stylish. It's easy to put together. It's functional and yeah. it looks good. <laughs> and so if you're worried about, oh, will I have that? Will I not have that? Most places are going to have everything available, or you'll travel enough and be able to grab things um, that you can bring back. At other points, when you don't have to worry about it. Now, there are caveats to that. There are places where your size, your skin tone might determine what you need to bring with you. Cosmetics for deeper skin tones are famously difficult to source in Asia, for example, in East Asia at least. Um, larger 
plus size clothing can be difficult to source in places like East Asia as well. But at the same time, in East Asia, you can also get everything made. Yeah. You're, um, you'll, you can get a tailor, and your tailor will be your best friend. You know, some places, maybe like Myanmar, might be more difficult. Uh, you know, some of your out-of-the-way spots. But again, be... it's about basics. What will you need to get going? Not things that you can possibly wait a few months to get them. At which point, you probably know, or someone, we, um, someone in country can help you figure it out. Yeah. So if you decide to ship, great, talk to your talk to your school, they'll help you out with that. Um, assuming they offer an allowance. If they don't, then you might have to decide whether you want that stuff or whether you want excess baggage. And excess baggage is nerve-wracking. It can be, for it's sure. It's a really a ginormous pain to try to move around all this luggage um, in an airport. Especially mm -hmm. if you get to an airport and you're arriving somewhere where it's hot and humid. I think our highest number of excess luggage has been 12. Something it's, like that. It's not, it's not fun. No. It's not fun. And things can still get broken. We have plenty of things break this time around. Um, I do recommend that if you want excess luggage, especially for clothes, go to Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, and get the black... I don't know what brand it is. I'm not sure either, but they're... The black, black, big black... Like, you know, storage, 50 bins. gallon bins That's it. with the yellow lids and you can get some TSA approved locks, put some tape around there and it's a great way to ship things. It's sturdy. It won't break. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, we'll leave a link to some examples in the description box. And they're easily identifiable at the airport. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about it in our first season too. I also put air tags in all of our luggage. Maybe not when we move to a country because I don't need 14 air tags. But generally when we travel, if I'm checking a bag, I will put an air tag in there. It's pretty nifty. So I can know where it is. Some airlines don't like that now. I heard Lufthansa said no, but I really don't know how they prevent it. Yet I still haven't heard anyone talking about having issues with Lufthansa specifically, which was the one that I saw was trying to put things in place for that. Anyways, so, you know, when it's time to decide whether you want to bring stuff with you, whether ship it or check baggage, Really decide how important it is to you. One of the things that we recommend too that for us really helps is we do have home decor that we uh, try to bring with us at least to some extent because it, we find it we get settled in and feel much more at home, ready to go to work, like we've been here a while if the place we go home to each night feels like home and not a weirdly barren apartment where it, I have a futon, a TV, and that's it. Yeah, so it is a good idea to bring with you a few items that you can set out and will make you feel at home quick. It might not be the full-fledged decor that you want, but it's going to be some essentials that are not going to make it feel sterile. So that when you get home, you start getting used to the idea that, oh yes, this is my home now. And anyone that is a teacher, and really anyone in general, it's so important to want to come back home and really make your living space a place where you can unwind and a place where you can recharge and you can separate a little bit from work because... Teaching is a really taxing job. It 
is you have to take a lot of decisions, you spend a lot of your mental energy trying to take care of children and all of that. And so if your home is not a place where you feel comfortable, where you can be at ease, it's gonna make your life even more difficult. So try to get comfortable quickly. Yeah, um, that's, that's our recommendation. That's what we've yeah. found really works for us. It really does get, help. I'm really good about getting to a new place and unpacking. He's amazing at this. I just unpack. Um, not necessarily from trips, but when we go somewhere new, I like to unpack and feel like I am at home. Um, so again, speak with your school about what's best, taking things with you and checked baggage, excess luggage, or shipping through a shipping company. Um, whatever they recommend, they may say it's really up to you, here's this shipping company, or we'll reimburse you for excess baggage. But once you've decided that you want to leave things behind, then it's a matter of what are you going to do with those things? Are you going to sell them or are you going to store them, whether in a home or in a storage unit? So we've talked before about finances. If you are going to keep them in a home, how are you going to make sure you have you know, viable funds to keep up rent, mortgage, all of that stuff? Same with a storage unit. Is there someone you can call to maybe check in on things if there's a power outage or a flood in storage unit, any of those kinds of things. You have a point person back home in your home country to help manage those kinds of issues. Yeah, people that you can leave spare keys with, for example. Spare keys, which brings us to another point. Um, well, we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, so then if you do decide to not keep anything, be prepared to, and start early, Venmo, or not Venmo, sorry, uh, eBay, which is not the best option depending on what it is, but Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, OfferUp, any of those things. Yeah. I started selling our stuff in Hawaii probably in mid-March. Yeah, and we mid left March. in mid-June. Little things that we knew we could live without by the end of the year um, because it, it's not quick. No, sometimes depending on what it is. Sometimes things don't want to sell, and we didn't sell everything. We ended up donating a fair amount to Salvation Army. Yeah, um, but if there are items that you think may take a little bit to sell, or you are trying to get a specific price for things, be prepared to start selling early. So it's a good idea to keep track of the things that you are selling and the things that you have sold and then take them down from different places as you go. Yeah, um, you know, and be mindful too, this is 2023 and they, they've paused it for this year if you're in the US, but I don't know what'll happen in 2024. Congress had passed a law stating that if you make more than $600 or get paid 600 plus dollars from you know, from one company, Venmo, PayPal, uh, Apple Pay, Square, Cash App, any of those. So let's say you take a trip with friends and they owe you $600. All of a sudden, you're going to receive a 1099 and owe taxes on that. So come 2024, depending on what happens, that's something to keep in mind as well, is that if you're selling things, uh, you may get a 1099 and have to pay taxes on it, which is... Fairly ridiculous. Yeah. But so as of right now, that legislation is on hold. Um, it's not in place at the moment. If you don't want it to be in place, maybe this is a good moment to email your congressperson and talk to them about it. 
um, but it's not in place right now. But it's important to keep those things in mind that, oh, this might be another line in my tax return later on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something to keep in mind. I was a little bit worried about it because it was supposed to go into effect and didn't, uh, but whatever. So coming back to a point person, think about mail. Are you going to use a virtual mailbox, which has some drawbacks? Um, are you going to have a family member? Are you going to have a friend? Are you going to try to cancel all your mail and just try to manage everything online, which I don't necessarily recommend as some places will still want to send you documents. Um, so talk with your people around you, good friend, mom, dad, brother, sister, uh, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, whomever, or check out some virtual mailboxes. I've not ever used one, um, but it's worth keeping in mind because you will get items back home that may be important. Maybe it's an old bill that came through. Maybe it's something with your credit card. Or if you have uh, fraudulent charges on your card, they need to send you a new one. They can send them to other places, but maybe you don't want that credit card traveling across seas where it could just get stolen again. Okay. Yeah, so it's important to think about what's going to happen to your mail um, because it's really not that practical to have a whole year worth of mail sitting on a mailbox or you know anything that might be mailed to you just kind of sitting there unattended um, and also because there are things that are going to be a little bit more important more urgent um, um, that are not you're not gonna want to just have sitting out there so Designate a mail person before you go. Talk to whomever it is um, and just talk to them about how often you will be returning home so that you can discuss how to deal with your correspondence. Yeah. Um, and coming back to things being, you know, stolen or taken in transit, if you do decide to check luggage, this is just a general travel tip, don't put expensive things in your check luggage. They may disappear. You know, I've traveled with an Xbox and my carry-on luggage because I know there's a chance that any worker could just open my bag and take it, even though it's locked. So be mindful of that. Yeah, so valuables should not go in your checked luggage. Laptops should not go in your checked luggage. I don't think they can, but... No, they can. They can? Okay, I thought that they couldn't. But anything valuable, anything that you would be devastated if it gets lost in your luggage... Just put it in your carry-on. Save yeah, yourself or, the pain. Or, or leave it. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you can ship it too. But So one other thing to really think about, and you will have spoken to your school about this, is pets. What are you going to do if you have a dog, a cat? Um, can you actually bring them? And again, your school will let you know ahead of time. Some countries have far uh, greater restrictions, Australia being one that has enormously stringent restrictions on importing animals into the country. I don't know that you can bring dogs in at all. I think they have to go through a 6 to 12 month quarantine yeah. in country. Yeah. Um, but another thing to bear in mind is that schools generally don't offer reimbursement for these. Maybe you could with your, I'm sure you could with your shipping stipend if you don't bring a lot, but it can be really expensive. Upwards of two to $10,000 to ship a pet. Yeah. And it may not be quick. And your pet may be going, will likely be traveling on its own, depending. You know, there are, uh, it would depend on country to country, bringing in a service dog, 
Um, again, that's something to speak with your school about, but if you have a cat, if you have a larger dog or not a service dog, what are you going to do with that dog and that pet? Yeah. Pets are family and you don't want to leave them behind, but you also don't want to lose them or cause them unnecessary suffering. So uh, that's something to keep in, your, keep in mind and discuss with your future employer. What is their stance on pets? What is the country's rule on pets and importing animals in? Airlines that fly to the Middle East, for example, and most school years start in the blazing heat of summer, will not bring animals in cargo. Um, so bringing over larger dogs becomes a much more complicated affair. You have to find an airline and a route that allows for the animal to travel safely because they don't fit in cabins. So if you have a large dog, if you're coming to a place that is as hot as the Middle East is, that's a very important consideration. You don't want to put your pet's safety in jeopardy. And your choice of airlines, for example, might be limited because of the rules of bringing animals in cargo at certain times of the year as well. Yeah, there are plenty of pet shipment companies, but uh, you know, check reviews of each, speak with colleagues, future colleagues at the school who ship pets. Um, that's something we have never done. Yeah. So. To school's credit, usually after you sign your contract, that's a question that's going to come up really quickly. It'll come up before, usually. Yeah. Search associates, for example, will ask if you have pets on your application. Yeah. And, and most things will because if you have a dog or a cat and you don't want to leave it behind, a school may say, you know what, I don't know that we really want to deal with the hassle. Yeah. So but. it's something that will come up quickly because... It is part of the whole process, and at times, it can be the lengthiest part of the process, bringing your pet over. Yeah. So before we talk about the end of your year and moving, uh, just be mindful of talking to your employer. You will always, a school worth its salt, will give you a round-trip ticket to your home of record. So if you're not keeping a place back home, where do you want that home of record to be? Some schools, okay. Uh, this is not the norm. Some schools will buy your ticket for you to your home of record, which is extremely frustrating if you don't want to go there. You may be able to talk to them and say, hey, I'd rather have a ticket to this spot instead. It's of uh, the same value. Can we do this if I want to travel? But sometimes they might say no. Most schools, however, tend to just offer you uh, a stipend in your paycheck towards the you know early spring mid-spring that you can use to buy tickets. Let's clarify that though. Your very first ticket, when you're moving over, the school will purchase. Yeah, it's tickets should. after that yeah. because... So anything in, after that. In most going. international school contracts, annual leave is part of your benefits package. And in some cases, the school will have an agent and you will work with the agent to pick the ticket that you want of a specific value, etc. Or the school will set an amount that you get based on your home of record and then you purchase whatever ticket you decide. But think about, the important thing is to think about where you want your home of record to be. If you know you're going to go back to the same spot each uh, time you go back to the U.S. or most times, that's easy. If you don't, you know, let's say you're moving to, I don't know, Japan, then, and you don't have a home of record in the U.S., then maybe I'm choosing Miami, somewhere far enough away that it's going to maximize the amount I get <laughs> so that I can say, hey, you know what, here's where I'm going. 
but generally you may not have that much freedom because your home of record will oftentimes be where you were living when you were hired. But that Or your country of origin. Yeah, if you're from a smaller country. Yeah. Right? You know, if you're from uh, if you're from Denmark, your home of record you're probably you're gonna fly into Copenhagen. That's just what it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or somewhere and also into Europe and whatever. So it's not a huge difference. But again, you can't always change your home of record. But if you can, maximize. Yeah. And in that case also you have to make sure that you check what home of record means to your school, especially if you are from a smaller town. To some schools Home of record means the nearest international airport and they may not cover the cost of flying you to your tiny airline, air, airway strip thing where you fly the tiny little jets. Some schools might not because they don't consider that an international airport and that's how they base home of record. So make sure that you check. Yeah. Okay. When I was in Washington, my home of record was Seattle, but it was still a two and a half hour drive from there. Yeah. Because there was no airports large enough that were really serviceable for me to use. Um, so in some cases, it will mean that, you know, your school will fly you back to the nearest international airport and you might still have a drive home okay. afterwards. All right. So managing the end of school year as you're doing your visa, as you're trying to decide what to take, what to not take, what to sell, what to keep, as you're trying to maximize your time with your friends and family that are there. How do you do all that? There's no tried and true infallible formula for that because everybody's situation is different. But that in itself is also something else to think about when it comes to how to handle all of these changes because it's for a little while, the fact that you're leaving is going to be a recurring conversation. People are going to ask you a lot of questions. You may or may not feel like they understand. You may develop feelings of guilt or feeling different from everybody else. And that can be also a little tricky to manage for yourself. Yeah, your students will ask you once it's time, um, once they, you know, you can't hide the fact that you're leaving for forever. So they'll ask you, and that part can be hard, um, but a couple of things to keep in mind. One, and we see this far too often in international schools, is that you are leaving and you know it's your last time at that school, but that doesn't mean coast. We see too many, we see, not too many, but we have seen international teachers who realize that I've already got a job for next year. Uh, I know that I'm not worried about getting fired at this point. I'm just going to coast and maybe not be the best teacher I can be, which is A, reflects poorly on them, and B, it's really detrimental to the student's learning. Yeah. So it, just because you're leaving doesn't mean you get to slack off. Yeah, it also doesn't mean that you get to take advantage of other people and the fact that, well, this is not going to be my problem come a few months' time, so this decision that may greatly affect you I really don't care, or you just decide that, you know, things that you are supposed to be pitching in with, you're just not going to do because you're not going to be there in a very little um, amount of time. Like, don't 
completely mentally check out. You're still there, still give it yeah. your best until the last day of school. Your students deserve it, your colleagues deserve it. And again, it just reflects poorly on you as a person if you just decide that because you're going to greener pastures, you're just going to set everything on fire. Yeah. So don't give in to senioritis. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, that's part of two, though, why we recommend starting early. Once you know you're going to go abroad, start having those conversations with your family. It's harder to do than you might imagine at times, but it's easier to do if you start early, and it gives them time to process and time for you to schedule and spend time with those that you might not see as frequently anymore. So yeah. start early. You know, we know that when it's time for us to leave, we, we talk with my parents and our friends and we schedule as much time with them as we can so that and we're not trying to cram things in at the end of a year while we're doing visas, while we are um, trying to close out the school year, trying to manage all of our, our things that we own. So we start early, okay? And that's the first thing I would say to managing your end of year as you're going. Having started early, you'll know. Same with selling your stuff or keeping your stuff in storage. Start going through earlier and really take a close look at what's important to you and what isn't. And the earlier you do that, the less you'll have to do at the end. No matter what you do, come the end of the school year and it's time for you to move, you'll find that you haven't had enough time. Time creeps up on you and real fast. You will feel stressed and happy and sad and lots of feelings of leaving behind the new beginnings. So start with starting early. Try to maximize your time at work in terms of what you do so that you're not bringing anything home. The last thing you want to do is come home, have to figure out what to take, pack, and have to delineate between or differentiate between what task is more important. Do I need to grade? Do I need to do this for my visa? And it's very easy to let one or the other slide. Oftentimes, work is what slides because you, you're excited about going to a new place and doing these fun things. It doesn't mean you're not excited about work, but this is something new. And people generally, you're going abroad, which means you're looking for a new experience. So you're excited about it, and the old things tend to fall behind. So when it comes to managing your time at work, make sure that you are using your time in a way that helps the greater purpose of being all checked out on your last day of work so that you can go to your supervisor and they can sign you off and you don't have to return for anything else. So think about the things that are in your classroom. Start thinking about things like where are these materials going to go? Asking colleagues for do you want to take something that maybe that you're no longer going to use that school year, that sort of thing. Um, and of course, keeping up with your communication with families that you might need to follow up with still supporting students and giving them feedback. Use your time at school for as much schoolwork as you can because it's going to be a time when at home you're going to have to do a lot of homework. <laughs> so plan out activities with your friends and family early and you may not want to. You may feel and you will be tired coming home from work, packing or unpacking 
and doing all of these other things. But spending time with those people, especially if it's your first time ever going abroad, you won't ever regret that once you get to where you're going. Um, it can be very easy, as Anna said, especially if it's your first time, to have a feeling of guilt. Um, your family, whether it's on your end or your families, may make you feel guilty. Whether you're taking children away from them or your friends may not understand. So the more you can spend with your friends and family, the less guilt you'll have and the more, the more memories you'll have to cherish in the future. Yeah, and by schedule time to spend time, schedule time to spend, sorry, with friends or family, by that we mean don't just leave it for the big goodbye party that your best friend is going to throw you and think, oh, I'm just going to see everybody at the goodbye party and it's going to be fine. That may not be enough time, and it might bring up regret later. Schedule time to spend in close connection with those people that are most important to you, your parents, your siblings, your close extended family, your friends, colleagues or mentors that have been pivotal to your success in your current job. Set aside time for them beyond the big goodbye party. Yeah, um, because come at the end of your first summer, many teachers do go home to their, their home countries to see friends and family, but not everyone. And it can be a difficult choice to decide whether you want to go see people you haven't seen in a year or two years, or do you want to go travel because that's one of the reasons you moved abroad in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so not everyone understands not only why you went abroad, but they may not understand the opportunity for you to go travel when you could come home and see that. You know, we'll talk about uh, in, in next season podcast, how do you handle that? How do you look at what am I going to do during the summer? Am I going to travel? Am I going home? And if I do go home, will I see friends? Will I see family? Because it can also be extremely chaotic. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, you know, how to handle that it's home, but it's kind of not home and you're it's 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 a slightly weird limbo when when you live abroad and you're kind of coming and going for holidays and that sort of thing definitely something something that is is worth reflecting on yeah um you know lastly too and this is all easier said than done oh yeah schedule some time for yourself you'll want to take a break to just be with your family your significant other, your partner, or just by yourself, your children, um, at the end of this school year. You know, as you wind down and you start doing all these things, it's a lot. It's sensory overload because everything is starting to pile up. And so, again, it's easier said than done, but try to schedule some downtime for yourself. Yeah. So Again, you're going to go into, you're coming out of a situation where you have to close a lot of doors that were open for possibly a very long time and move into a situation of lots of unknowns where truly the first year you're going to be finding your footing. First year on any school is really finding your footing, learning the ropes, getting used to the school culture and all of that. And that can be really Taxing, depending on where you go, and if it's your first time, it's definitely going to take some trial and error. So, yes, make sure that you are taking time to take good care of yourself so that you can actually do this big thing in a way that serves you best. Yeah. And lastly, I would just add, 
be in frequent contact with your new school. Um, you know, don't be ashamed to email your point person, the HR rep or whomever they are, with every question you have. That's literally their job to help you through those things. And we email them when we get new jobs constantly because things never work as smoothly as they're supposed to. Or, you know, it's like a math problem where all of a sudden you, you're used to solving it without this, you know, variable gone and all of a sudden the different variables gone. Instead of multiplying, you have to divide, it throws you off, right? Yeah, on that, during that process of the in-between after accepting a job and preparing to move, you're not annoying anyone if you are asking HR for questions, if you're asking for clarification. This is their job. They're making an investment on you. So they want to make sure that your questions are answered and that you do the process correctly so that come the first day of school, you are there and you are ready. Yeah, and if you are annoying them, then that's don't worry about it. It's literally their that's job. That's their job. Okay. They're there to and answer your questions. They, they've invested at this point uh, money in you, time, and they want their investment to work out as much as you want to work out with them. So yeah. they don't want you to come in, hate your job, hate life, uh, leave after two years or break contract because that is another stress for them. It's their cost, they're spending more money on a new hire or um, all these different things. Yeah, so, so don't feel bad for asking questions. Ask questions from your point person at school. Talk to your email buddy when you have one assigned about contacting them with questions. How often is it appropriate? But yeah, ask away. Ask yeah. away, get ready, start early so that your transition can be as smooth as it can be. There will be bumps, but it can There's be always done. bumps, but yeah. Anyways, so that's all we have for you guys today. Uh, our next and last episode for this season, we'll talk just briefly about what it's like when you arrive in country, um, which again, is it, it's going to be you know, perspective-based, based on our perspective. Yeah, it varies but from place to place. Some of the general things you can expect to go through and have happen. And then next season, uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll come out. We'll take a... Well, we'll talk about that next episode. So. <laughs> so, if you want to hear more about the world of international education, how to get started, all of our season two episodes are on YouTube, if you like the video format, or on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you prefer radio. If you find this helpful, share it with people that may find it helpful. Maybe people that are not teachers might find more um, entertainment, more value in season one, which was more about the living abroad in general aspect of things. So stay tuned for more insights on living abroad and in international schools you can like and subscribe on youtube rate and review on your favorite podcast platform and we will see you next time bye, bye, -bye.